Hello and welcome to Rooted and Unwithered. I'm Cole Newton. And the following is a meditation over question six of the New City Catechism. And that question is, how can we glorify God? And the answer, we glorify God by enjoying Him, loving Him, trusting Him, and by obeying His will, commands, and law. Since question four stated that we were created to glorify God, the present question focuses upon how we are able to do that. Before we can discuss the answer given, we ought to make certain that we properly understand the question itself. Glory and glorify are such commonly used words among Christians that the actual meaning can easily be lost. God's glory is the radiance of God's nature and character. It is the outward display of who he is. To glorify God, therefore, is to join in that display, to give him the honor and the worship that fits his matchless character and nature. With that in mind, the note, note the answer that is before us. We glorify God by enjoying him, loving him, trusting him, and obeying his will, commands, and law. Four verbs are given for us to consider. Enjoy, love, trust, and obey. However, I think it might be beneficial to move through them in the reverse order. Obedience might be what first comes to our minds when we think of glorifying God. After all, what would give him more honor than having his will, commands, and law obeyed? And that is certainly true. Obedience to God's will, commands, and law is a visible declaration that God is worthy to be obeyed. The glory of an earthly king is reflected in his subjects' readiness to follow his commands. How much more so with the king of kings, the creator of heaven and earth? Indeed, obedience is fundamentally an act of submission to authority, which makes disobedience an act of treason against the author of life. No one can claim to glorify God without actively seeking to obey him. And this is why I am beginning with obedience. Glorifying God must always entail more than mere obedience, but it can never be less. Jesus affirmed this necessity of obedience in the concluding verses of the Sermon on the Mount. This is Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. To glorify God, we must also trust him. Trusting in God, of course, is a declaration of his trustworthiness and it's a proclamation of his faithfulness. Indeed, obedience without trust would indicate that we do not properly know God. As a father, I would grieve at my children's suspicious distrust of me, even if they did still technically obey what I told them to do. Such distrust would indicate that my children do not know or do not believe my affection and compassion for them. In the same way, our distrust of God is most fundamentally a failure to believe his fatherhood toward us. We also glorify God by loving him. The call to love is most famously given in Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, which Jesus himself calls the greatest commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. It is right that we would love God with all of ourselves because God is love. He made us and sustains us by his steadfast love, and we reflect his loveliness by loving him supremely in return. And notice how Deuteronomy 11.1 ties love and obedience together by saying, 
You shall therefore love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his rules, and his commandments. Always. Finally, we glorify God by enjoying him. The first question of the Westminster Shorter Catechism famously puts these two together. Question, what is the chief end of man? And the answer, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Much of John Piper's ministry has been the argument that God is most glorified in us by enjoying him forever. And I certainly agree. As C.S. Lewis noted, praise naturally arises from delight. Indeed, our desire for God to be glorified can only stem from a vision of him as the most prized treasure. Of course, devotion must often come before affection. But I do not honor my wife if only if I only give to her a joyous, a joyless commitment. No, she is honored whenever my devotion to her overflows into affection for her. And it ought to be supremely so with God. There are certain times when our devotion to God must override our pitiful and listless affections. Yet by God's grace, such devotion ought to eventually explode into an affectionate enjoyment of joy himself. And so with all of this said, one question remains for us. How will you glorify God today? Thank you so much for listening. For more resources for knowing and loving God's word, please visit bcnewton.co. And until next time, grace and peace. Grace and peace.